The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. As many of you are getting ready for Monday Night Football, or perhaps you are listening on your Tuesday morning, we say hello, we get ready for uh, Week 11, look back at Week 10 a little bit, as Will Brinson and Chris Towers are going to join me in a bit. I'm Adam Azer, and right now I'm going to be joined by Dr. David Chow to talk football injuries. We welcome you to the Fantasy Football Today Road Tour, presented by Little Caesars. Pizza for dinner tonight? How about ordering your favorite online from Little Caesars and using Pizza Portal Pickup? It's the latest, greatest, and hottest way to pick up a pizza without even going to the register. Dr. Chow is from ProFootballDoc.com, and he is at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. He is a must-follow. It is a great website and a great resource. And good uh, good afternoon to you. How was your weekend, Dr. Chow? I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, the players in the league were nice to me. Relatively few injuries, but of course there are always injuries, so there are some yeah. still. Good. Well, that's I guess that's a good thing. And you were last time we talked, um, you you gave us the cyborg nickname for Matt Breida, and sure enough, he went full cyborg and played on a Thursday after an injury on Sunday. So, <laughs> good call on that. We'll see what we have in store this week. I, I mean, as far as Matt Breida is concerned, I mean, fool me once, fool me twice, fool me three times. <laughs> By the fourth time, I figured it out. <laughs> the guy's unbelievable. <laughs> It's good to know. The fifth eye will know for sure. Um, all right, so Saquon Barkley, he may have had, he had X-rays. He's got this ankle issue, and he's thankfully got a bye coming up. But what do you think going forward for Saquon Barkley? You know, I get it. We're right now society, right, 13 carries, one yard. Oh, my gosh, he's being checked on the sidelines, his neck, his shoulder. He's getting an X-ray. What's going on? I think he's fine. I mean, you know, sometimes – these games happen. He's got a buy coming at a good time, and uh, everyone's a little banged up this time of the year. I think he's going to come off fresh after this uh, buy and, uh, and be just fine. Oh, all right. Well, that's good to know. So that will uh, make us have less of a priority to pick up Wayne Gallman. James Conner is expected to play this week. They've got a Thursday game. He has missed two straight games. What do you expect from James Conner, if you possibly could know what to expect. I know that's a tough question, <laughs> but uh, what do you well, think? Yeah, I mean, uh, from the game, uh, you know, against the Dolphins in the, with about two minutes to go, it was pretty clear to me he had an AC joint sprain, and uh, Mike Tomlin agreed after the game, said AC, and that is another word for it is shoulder separation. But, you know, I thought he would have played the last two weeks with an injection. Josh Jacobs has done that. Now, maybe there's more to his injury. Maybe the Steelers are smarter than everyone and said, you know, James just sit out. We've got these next two games. They certainly have won the last two games without him. And so, uh, but I do expect him to play this Thursday against the Browns. And uh, he w- was listed as full practice today if the team had one. And uh, that's about the right timeline where he can actually practice and uh, get into game shape and, uh, you know, run plays for the week and play. So I fully expect him to play this uh, Thursday and, uh, you know, after this two-week absence. And it looks like Le'Veon Bell is not going to miss time. He had some sore ribs, but he, you know, he's been a little dinged up as he gets ready for the Redskins this week. Have you seen anything telling from Le'Veon Bell? Not really. I mean, uh, you know, there was some question of a knee issue, but then he came back into the game and sore ribs, which I'm sure he'll play through. Uh, the bigger issue is his teammate, Chris Herndon, the tight end who hasn't really gotten off to a start this season yet with the suspension and then hamstring and now cracked ribs, some rib issues that will, the potential pneumothorax even, that'll have him out a few weeks. So uh, his ribs are a much bigger deal. Uh, Le'Veon, not so much. Okay, now the Falcons had a bad day in terms of injuries. Austin Hooper with a knee injury and Devontae Freeman with an ankle injury. Do you think we're going to be looking at long-term situations here? Well, I 
don't think either one's going to be long-term. Austin Hooper, by the time people listen to this podcast, maybe they'll have results of his MRI. By video, it looks to me as an MCL sprain. I think he's going to miss time, but I think he's going to play before December. So, you know, is it a one-week absence, two-week, three-week at worst? A relatively low-grade MCL sprain is what I'm hoping for, ACL spared. Uh, and then uh, Devonta Freeman uh, looked like what was reported as a foot sprain of some sort. Uh, by video, I didn't see much. And sometimes when you don't see much by video, fingers crossed that is good news. At least it's not uh, a Danny Trevathan elbow from this Sunday, which was pretty dramatic and pretty obvious when you look at it by video or by picture. Mm-hmm. And so uh, hopefully that means a relatively short absence in the Falcons seems like the Falcons like their head coach, huh? Dan Quinn was potentially on the chopping block, and they came through for him. Absolutely. Okay, so you just got me thinking, and now I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit, but you talked about how it's not that bad when you look at it, and have has there ever been... You don't even have to say which one, because that might be you know something you don't want to share, but has there ever been an injury that you looked at, either live or on video, and been like, oh my... Like, you as a doctor were had trouble seeing it. The one that comes to mind for me was the Louisville basketball game whenever that, that NCAA tournament game with the broken leg. But is there anything for you that, that's made you kind of queasy? Um, I don't know about queasy, but that guttural feel in, in my stomach, absolutely. There was one that really stands out. I mean, you know, when I was in the NFL and doing stuff, you always feel for players because you know them. But the Ryan Shazier incident far and away stands out in my eyes as a player and someone that I didn't know. Yet, and I'm even getting it now as I think back to when I saw it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the results couldn't be any better. But in real time, on you know, on Periscope and on Twitter, like I was like, I don't even want to go where I where I think this is going. I mean, it looks like the guy is paralyzed. The way that he went limp when he on the hit, and the way literally as he rolled over, he rolled his upper body over, and his legs sort of flopped behind him, and and that was a look of oh my gosh, this guy could be paralyzed. Now, thankfully, uh, you know, he's made this great recovery and he's helping the Steelers coach on the sideline. And we've seen all the videos of returning to walk. But, you know, concussions are bad and head injuries are bad and CT is bad. But the one as a doctor I always feared was the paralysis hit. And that Ryan Shazier one stands far and away as one where I went, this is not good. and got that queasy feeling about it. Absolutely. It's a good call. It was a very emotional just watching that. Uh, now, yep, bringing it back. Uh, well, yeah, it's, thankfully it was a happy ending there for, for Shazier. Uh, back to the uh, Week 10 injuries. Matthew Stafford did not play. Broken bones in his back. <clears throat> what do you think for Stafford? You know, um, I, I wrote an article for the San Diego Union Tribune. It seems to me it's transverse process fractures. Believe it or not, I believe he played through some of those last year. Uh, on my podcast, the Pro Football Doc podcast, Matt Breida's had his chances as, as the beast of the week. This week, it's going to be uh, Matthew Stafford because he finished that Raiders game with those fractures, and you couldn't really even tell. And I think he's going to be back sooner than people think. Of course, you hear back fractures, and you think IR, and he's done for the season. But these are bony projections that are not near the spinal cord or canal, not near nerves. And quite honestly, these types of chip or avulsion fractures don't really heal and you don't have to wait for them to heal to return to play you can play with these not healed or broken so i think you can book it here that uh, matthew stafford for sure will be there for the traditional lions thanksgiving day game but i think he probably even beats that wow well he didn't play very well last year uh, and i don't know how much of it was related to the back but do you think this is something that could affect his performance well, yeah, absolutely, because it's still painful. Even though, mm. You know, you, it may not be structural where you might be paralyzed or something. It's still painful. No question it could it could affect his performance. And, and the good news is usually within two and certainly by three weeks from injury, the pain subsides pretty much. This week, uh, you know, hats off to him. It sounds like he would have played if the doctors didn't stop him. And, of course, he's got that 136-game streak. Ironman streak at quarterback, yeah. second only to Phillip Rivers, who's approaching 220, I think, 
I don't know the exact number, but uh, those are the two Ironman streaks, and uh, Matthew Stafford's unfortunately ended. But uh, I think he's going to start another one. I, I put him uh, probably at 50-50 for playing this coming week. And like I said, by Thanksgiving, I think it's a, essentially a lock that he's going to play. When Philip Rivers' streak at some point ends, is he going to give? Is he going to thank Doctor Chow for, you know, as you were his doctor? <laughs> is he going to thank you, you know, for you getting know, him through the you know, tough times? Well, you know, the, the thing that 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 comes to me is that, uh, believe it or not, uh, this is how unbelievable guy Philip is. Ten years to the day. He actually texted me from his ACL and said, it was 10 years ago today that I tore my ACL. Thanks again for fixing it. I've done great, obviously, da 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 And I was like, wow, the fact that he would remember and text me, you know, in January at the 10-year anniversary last year, uh, that was pretty uh, That was pretty cool. Of, uh, yeah, he's a good guy. He really is a good guy. I consider him a, a friend. Of, but that's also the kind of guy he is that – out of the blue, he just texted that. So I'm not expecting any shout outs <laughs> when, for any of this other stuff. That that private text was uh, meaningful enough for me. Oh, that's really cool. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for coming on, Dr. Chow. It's good to have you back. Thank you. Welcome. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Follow Dr. Chow uh, at ProFootballDoc on Twitter and ProFootballDoc.com. And as he mentioned, he has a great podcast. So plenty of great uh, injury information that can be helpful for fantasy owners. We will talk to Will and Chris when we come back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Five big topics to talk about on today's show with Will Brinson and Chris Towers. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. Thanks a lot to Dr. David Chow for stopping by. All right, here are the topics we're getting to. The state of the wide receiver position in 2019 through 10 weeks, almost 10 full weeks. Backfields that might concern Chris and Will. Struggling quarterbacks with great playoff schedules. And two more, uh, Fab Dollars late in the season. And Lamar Jackson, is he untouchable in trade right now? Chris, what's going on? I started dancing to the song, and then I realized that uh, I don't have a camera that's participating in our Skype call. And so I was just sitting in a studio and the, there's a window into the studio in the New York office that goes right into the cafeteria. So I was just dancing oh, for yeah. my own benefit and potentially for the benefit of the people in the cafeteria, which made me feel a little weird. Now, I kept doing it. it made everyone feel a little bit better about themselves. So we thank you for that. Will Brinson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing excellent, Adam. Thank you for inviting me. I didn't dance and I won't dance. Are you curious about your, your intro music? Go ahead, talk, Will. Uh, oh. Expose, you love them. Am I out of love? I'm so lost. I am so lost. That's not what this is, Will. This one. You don't know that song? No. That's one but- of those. Given the context of the conversation, Careless Whisper would have worked really well if you had been on your toes. <laughs> do, do I have a Philadelphia accent? I was not aware of that. I'm now concerned about it. When Twitter <laughs> user was like, yeah, you know, it sounded like you might have a little Philly in you. Like, I'm, I'm, from, I'm from the South, bro. Yeah, Will's got a strange accent. I don't really know what it is, but somebody wanted to know. So you can tell us if you'd like. But let's start with the... Uh, the big topic, the state of the wide receiver position. It's kind of weird this year. You know, last year, if you looked at average draft position in 2018, uh, the top 12 in ADP, all of them except for A.J. Green, and he got hurt. He was good when he was healthy. All of them finished in the top 15 at the end of the year in just PPR. Uh, Antonio Brown, Hopkins, Beckham, Julio, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, A.J. Green, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Stephon Diggs, T.Y. Hilton. So it was a predictable position and has been fairly predictable, especially compared to running back. This year, though, not so much. Only five of the top 12 in ADP in PPR 
um, are currently top 12 in a, in points per game. I'm using points per game instead of total points because, you know, some players haven't had their bye. But, again, 5 out of 12. Now, if you remove Antonio Brown and you put in Amari Cooper, who was 13th in um, average draft position, will now become 6 out of 12, being uh, in, the top, in the current top 12 and even in the current top 15. So um, it's a big difference from last year. And, Chris, you know, what do you make of that? The other thing that we notice is that if you just look at, like, 17 points per game. That's really good in PPR. There are fewer guys doing that this year than there were last year. So uh, what what did we say? It's like three more. So that's like a top 10 wide receiver in PPR, 17 points per game. Uh, there are like three more who were doing that last year than this year. So, you know, it's just been kind of a strange position, not what we usually get from wide receiver. Yeah, I think there are a handful that make sense. And, you know, maybe... In retrospect, when an elite wide receiver changes teams in the the way that Odell Beckham did, we should account for that. And and you know the, there were some concerns coming into the season that he wouldn't be quite as good as he had been uh, in the past. But this is a completely different level. And I think the assumption was wrongly, as it turned out, that things couldn't get worse. Like maybe he was going to a Browns team that wanted to run the ball more than the Giants, and he would have fewer opportunities. Or maybe the presence of a of a really good possession receiver like Jarvis Landry would cut into his volume. But there was no concern about the quality of the targets that he was going to get. And obviously, Baker Mayfield is playing worse than I think anybody expected. Even, you know, there weren't many doubters coming into the season, but he's playing worse than any of them. Uh, Will, Will was a doubter, apparently. Uh, but- not, a, not a Baker Mayfield doubter, but I was a Browns doubter. And I think, look, Freddie Kitchens calling the plays – and trying to be a first-year head coach has created a disaster on offense, not just from an Odell Beckham usage perspective, but from a play-calling perspective. Nick Chubb, I mean, like Nick Chubb, had 113 of his 116 rushing yards yesterday in formations where Kareem Hunt was on the field with him. And then when they got into the red zone, they kept Kareem Hunt out. He was doing a great job blocking like, as a as a borderline fullback for for Chubb and playing really well. Um, the other counterpoint I would throw out is that Amari Cooper changed teams mid-season last year. Yeah, sure. And and was much better. So that's not everything. But then you look at like the Vikings receivers. First of all, Adam Thielen, he's 30th in fantasy points per game right now. But if you take out the last two games, uh, both were partial games. He scored a touchdown in one. He had one catch or no catches in the other before leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd be 14th. Okay. So it's a little better if you account for that. But for the most part, I think the Vikings guys, that was another situation where the team told us Everything that the team did after installing Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator said that they didn't want to throw the ball unless they absolutely had to. And that's been the way they've run their offense so far this year. And maybe we shouldn't have just penciled both of those guys in. Two guys in a low-volume passing offense, we penciled them in as top 12 fantasy wide receivers. No, maybe shouldn't have done that. But, you know, I agree. Like, And I I was off digs. I I wasn't really feeling him. it, it, so that makes sense. Thielen, Thielen had basically been performing, but more in a non-PPR way than a PPR way because he's been catching so many touchdowns. But let's look at the actual top 12. It's Michael Thomas, who's on pace for 153 catches, by the way, which is insane, uh, and, and c- could stand to get more more touchdowns because we know his catch rate is over 80%, yet he's only caught 33% of his targets inside the 10-yard line. So I don't know. Could he get even better? He's only on pace for seven touchdowns, so maybe he could be even better in terms of touchdowns, probably worse in terms of catches and yards. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup. Um, I, why is Tyreek Hill not on this list? He should be on this list in points per game. He's uh, fifth in points per game. Okay, he's fifth in points per game, and he's actually second if you remove week one when he left with an injury. So it's Michael Thomas, Tyree Kill, Evans, Godwin, Amari Cooper, Lockett, Cup, Hopkins, Julio, Edelman, Galladay, Chark. And yeah. What'd you say, Will? Tyreek, are you looking on the. That's weird. I don't know why he's not on my list either. Yeah, it's strange. I have list, guys. He's there. Yeah, no, he's no, no, definitely. All right, I'd be sorted now. I'm looking at our fantasy football today list. Yeah, he's, he's there now. Okay. Carry on. So, well, anyway, um, just in general, I think. You know, not looking specifically position player by player, but just this position in general. You know, like Julio Jones is. Um, he's not quite getting the volume that he, he's like, got. But he's he's a top ten receiver in points per game. Hopkins is a top ten receiver in points per game. But I think like you look at Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, 
Mike Evans, Amari Cooper. I'm going to ask you, like, how many guys are in the oh, crap, I'm playing against them list? Because like those might be the only four right now where it's like, uh-oh, I'm playing against Michael Thomas. I'm playing against Tyreek Hill. I'm playing against Mike Evans. I'm playing against Amari Cooper. I'm in some serious trouble right now. I Do you feel that way about anyone else, Will? I don't even know that those guys necessarily meet the oh crap I'm playing against him. I mean, I look, I get like if you're playing against Michael Thomas, he's probably going to put up a digit on you, but it's not like he's going bananas in the red zone and that they've scored a he scored a ton of touchdowns. He's just been a PPR monster. Like his floor is really nice, but his, his ceiling has been fairly limited outside of one big explosion, right? I mean, he's just been a yardage hog. Um Evans, you know, you know the thing with Evans is he's splitting with Chris Godwin. I mean, they've had off and on games where one guy's been great and one guy hadn't been. Um I think the only guy that I would look at and say, oh, crap, I'm playing against him is probably Tyreek Hill because he's just so dangerous in terms of putting up a monster long touchdown run. Um, even, I mean, Hopkins and Julio haven't had those big seasons. I mean, like you have to you have to be wary that they could go off at some point in time. And I still think those games are out there. But I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't think I don't think there's a whole lot of elite, terrifying wide receivers. And if there are like you probably I mean. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a decent team, you probably have one of these guys because of where they were drafted. Like, there's, it's not a list of the first eight guys drafted. It's a list of guys who were drafted in the first round, second round, and then like third, fourth, and fifth. I mean, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I just don't think you're petrified of anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, do you think DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones are going to finish the year the way they were drafted? And Devontae Adams, too. And I'm, I, I have a lot of faith in Devontae Adams, to be honest with you. But but it was the ADP was Hopkins, Adams, Julio Jones, and then Michael Thomas. Do you think those top three receivers, Hopkins, Adams, and Julio Jones, are going to be, oh, crap, I'm playing against them type of players? I feel better about the prospects of Hopkins getting there than either of the other two. For one, he was the number one guy coming into the season. And for another, there's just no reason to think that he's gotten worse or that the offense has gotten worse or that Deshaun Watson has gotten first. It's not like they're giving a ton of red zone work to their running backs. It's that Darren Fells has randomly caught a couple of touchdowns recently. Like, yes, they're getting their tight ends more involved in the offense. I think their tight ends already have more targets this season than they did all of last year. Yes, Duke Johnson is a little bit more of a factor. So DeAndre Hopkins hasn't quite had the volume, but he's still on pace for about 160 targets. So it's not like that's been a concern. So I, I think of all those guys, like DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to keep averaging under 10 yards per catch. Devontae Adams, I think there. it's really interesting to think what's going to happen to the Green Bay offense moving forward. Are they going to continue to give Aaron Jones all, the, all this work in the red zone? And Jamal Williams has also uh, been a factor down there, which has really hurt Devontae Adams in addition to the time that he's missed. He's actually been, I think, more efficient than he ever has. I think he has a higher yards per attempt than he ever has, which has always been one of the knocks on him is that he's been a relatively inefficient receiver who just dominates in the red zone. But if Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are going to continue to be such a big part of their red zone offense, and I don't think there's any reason to think that won't be the case with Matt LaFleur, you know, Devontae Adams could continue to disappoint. And with Julio Jones, he's just he's playing more like 85% of their target uh, snaps every week, and he's not getting the the volume that they've had in the past mm-hmm. maybe Austin Hooper's injury changes that a little bit. I yeah. I would I would peg Julio as the guy to maybe pull it off. I just think the matchups like he's got Tampa Bay in week twelve, um, Carolina coming up. James Bradbury's been dinged up, uh, missed obviously against the, the Packers. We don't know how if Marshawn Latimer is going to be back for week thirteen against the Saints, and if he's not, then Julio could have a huge game. Carolina again, and then um, Jacksonville in week sixteen. And I don't does this work? How does this work for like? fantasy scoring purposes do we stop counting after week 16 because like it counts it for the full year no you don't but i mean obviously i don't usually look at week 17 in terms of schedules i gotta be honest with you i think all three of those guys are gonna be really good the concern for hopkins is that when when will fuller was healthy and kenny stills is there and the tight ends are getting more involved and qt's healthy and whatnot they just he didn't have the target share that he's used to having the concern for julio is that he never catches touchdowns but i know he only had 70 79 yards in this most recent game at New Orleans, but he had been uh, he he had been pretty much a hundred yards or close to it every week, um, ninety three or more yards in six straight games. 
Oh uh, no, three straight games. Sorry. And then Adams, what? you know, Adams is getting eleven targets two games in a row, like or eleven and ten with seven catches. He's going to get healthy after the bye. I think he could explode because they have no wide receiver too. Like, he's just he is their guy. He's I'm not worried about the target share so much with Adams. So I think all three of them are going to be really good, particularly in PPR. It's going to come down to touchdowns. Uh, you know, is Aaron Jones going to score three touchdowns every game or whatever? But uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be pretty strong at the top, but it's not the same position it was. That's kind of what I wanted to highlight. It's not the but, same position that it has been. But I would point out that it's less that wide receiver isn't the position it has been and more that 2018 was a pretty significant outlier, especially at the top of the position. Uh, you had, I'm trying to pull up the note. I think it was like you, you said eight guys who had at least 17 fantasy points per game. Yes, and this year there are five. No, there were 13 in 2018, and there are eight this year. Yeah, you had six guys average at least 20 fantasy points per game. You had Adam Thielen at 19.2 and Juju Smith-Schuster at 18.6. That hasn't been the norm for the wide receiver position in recent years. In 2017, you had two guys who had at least 20 fantasy points per game, and nobody else was at 19 fantasy Mm -hmm. points per game, and only one other guy was even at 18. So yeah. that that I think is we're always it, it's it's a constant thing in fantasy. We're fighting last year's battles and then in season we're fighting last week's battles. And so <laughs> it's hard to know when these train train trends are gonna reverse themselves, but we might have overreacted to wide receivers having their best year since I think 2015 last year collectively. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm not so much uh, talking about the points being down. I'm really talking about the unpredictability in terms of matching ADP with production so far. That's that's what has really surprised me. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's get to our next question. Which backfield tandem are you most concerned about? Before we do that, I have another question for you. Have you ordered a pizza online from Little Caesars yet? If not, you are missing out on Pizza Portal Pickup. What is Pizza Portal Pickup? It's like getting a pizza right out of the oven yourself. You walk in, you enter a code on the portal, a door opens, and you're off with your favorite pizza. And whatever pizza you order, it's going to have crazy, crazy amounts of toppings. It's fun. Give it a try, but it's only available at Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. All right, Will, so I was looking at those backfield tandems that we kind of learned about in Week 10. We talked about this on the Sunday night show, but I'll ask you guys. Cleveland, Kansas... Kansas City, excuse me, New Orleans, Arizona, Buffalo, Tampa Bay. We've got some backfield by committee. Maybe not in Kansas City. Uh, which one concerns you the most, Will? Kansas City. Really? Hmm. Right versus who? Who else did you say? I, well, I think most people probably would have said Arizona. Maybe nah, New Orleans. Well, I mean, Arizona's just... Like I don't really own any David John. I mean, I guess. I mean, oh I guess it's, well, so if it's it doesn't hurt Will, so it doesn't matter. I don't have any David Johnson. Everybody else can struggle. You did ask him, <laughs> who are you most concerned about? Yeah. From a fantasy perspective, yes, yes. No, go ahead, well, Will. I'm sorry. No, I just think that. I mean, like we've we've been so used to for like a decade plus now of Andy Reid running backs being fantasy monsters year in and year out. Um, you know, you, you would anticipate that whoever plays on the chiefs and is starting for the chiefs is a high end fantasy option because you know, the, the freaking chiefs are Patrick Mahomes. And it mm-hmm. just doesn't seem like outside of maybe Damian Williams breaking a big run. He had that 91 yard touchdown run two weeks ago. And then I think one long run against Tennessee. I mean, it just doesn't seem like there's going to be a ton of value there. We well, can't really tell what he's going to do week to week. But Will, what you know, about, what about what he just did? I mean, 17, 19 carries, five catches, about 110 total yards, or 120 total yards, and uh, 110, and, um, and you know, and he did fumble, but he dominated the touches, which is that's just why I was surprised you went with the Chiefs because it seemed like of all the backfields, this might be the one where, based on Week 10, and we don't know that it's going to happen in Week 11, but based on Week 10, this is the one that had like the guy get dominating all of the touches, basically, you know. Well, I mean the, I mean the Cardinals didn't really run the ball. I, like, I, I mean, like, I think they're going to utilize Kenyon Drake in the passing game. He had six targets. Uh, it doesn't seem like David Johnson is that healthy, right? I mean, he had five carries and one rushing attempt. I just don't think that he's healthy. And they can't cut they, you know, He's not. He's not somebody who's on the final year of his deal. They're not mm-hmm. a team that's winning a bunch of games. I think they'll be perfectly willing to lean on Kenyon Drake as the quote-unquote feature back uh, for this team down the stretch because they know that they need David Johnson healthy for next year. And Kenyon Drake's a free agent who they're probably going to let walk in the offseason. So, uh, to me... I just don't know that, like, 
I, I mean, I, I just don't know. I, I feel like the the situation with Arizona is kind of transparent, whereas with Kansas City, it sort of morphs week to week. Chris, which one concerns you? I'm going to go with Arizona, and and partially it's because I just don't have a lot of faith that that offense is going to produce a lot of value. Like Chase Edmonds had the one big game. Kenyon Drake had the one big game. But for the most part, we're going on two years now of this not being a particularly great offense for fantasy running backs. Kyler Murray has certainly breathed more life. I, I think I have to I think I have to disagree with you. David Johnson was a must start top ten running back before he got hurt. He did it mostly with the passing game. I mean he had only two games with more than twelve or thirteen carries, but I mean he was a no doubt about it slam dunk start and he was a borderline like when we did the midseason draft, I think he was a first round pick in that format. If not he was a top fifteen pick for sure. And last year he he basically just accumulated because he got a ton of touches, but he was a top 12 running back. But, I mean, I agree it wasn't a good year for him last year. But this year, he's been great uh, just in an unconventional way. But, unfortunately, he had one catch, and Kenyon Drake had six. And Kenyon Drake had twice as many carries. And that was, it seemed like, related to the fumble that David Johnson had fairly late in the game. So, I I mean, I agree that I'm worried, but I, I disagree with your, your break, the saying that they don't have a lot of value because they do have yeah, a lot of value. I'll say I don't have a lot of faith that this is going to be a running game that provides a lot of value. I think there is a lot of room in the passing game because we know David Johnson, when he's healthy, they will split him out wide. We saw before David Johnson and Chase Edmonds both got hurt that those guys were sharing the field a little bit. I think Drake and Johnson were only on the field together for one or two plays yesterday, but that's a possibility because Drake is an effective pass catcher in his own right. I just... I guess because they're going to have to rely on the, the the passing game for value for the running backs, if those guys are splitting it, and I don't really think Kenyon Drake's someone that I want getting 15 carries anyway, it's going to it's going to lessen the impact those two guys have, and there's not clarity that it's going to be one or the other right now. Uh, additionally, they have the 49ers coming out this week. The Cardinals do. Yeah. Then they're on their bye. Then they have the Rams, who are a good rush defense. Then they have the Steelers, who are shaping up to be a really good defense. The Browns have a pretty good defense. And then they have the Seahawks in Week 16. So, like, I just don't think that this is going to be a team that gives you – like, I just – I'm with Chris. I don't I don't think – not that you're going to trade David Johnson at this point because he's banged up and not seen the carries and nobody's going to give – you know, you're not making a move for Kenyon Drake or whatever it is. I just don't – I just don't know how much you can trust what Cliff Kingsbury does on a week-to-week basis with these guys. I don't know that how much we learned in week 10, unfortunately, like because I feel like a week 11 could be a lot different for these backfields. But one thing I do feel comfortable with is like Nick Chubb is going to dominate the carries, but he's not going to catch as many passes as he did in his first eight games. It's really interesting that he played, I think, his highest snap share uh, in like three or four weeks with. Yeah, he played 81 percent. It was his highest since week six. Um they shared the field, I think, on 18 different plays. Kareem Hunt split out wider in the slot 14 times. Um, they were really, really invested in Week 10. The Browns were in getting both of those guys on the field and getting the ball in their hands. Whether that will be the case moving forward remains to be seen. Okay. And in Buffalo, you had Frank Gore getting the goal line work. In New Orleans, you had Kamara dominating in the, with the catches, but... Latavius Murray actually had one more carry than Kamara. They barely ran the ball. Um, so we'll see what happens in, in week 11. Let's go to our next topic here. Uh, from Fantasy Graphics Guy, which struggling quarterbacks, or, well, it wasn't really a question. He just wanted us to talk about these struggling quarterbacks with great playoff schedules and how much we're buying them. And he gave us three, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Jared Goff. I do not think that Jared Goff has a great playoff schedule, uh, but... I do think Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield has some really good matchups coming up. And it's a matter of how much do you trust them. And then I'm going to throw Nick Foles in there because three of Nick Foles' last four opponents, not including Week 17, are among the four worst against quarterbacks. He gets Tampa Bay in Week, let's see, that's 13, Oakland in Week 15, and Atlanta in Week 16. Foles might have the best late-season schedule of any quarterback in the NFL. Uh, So Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Nick Foles, these are not guys that you're going to look at on your roster and go, whew, I got my league one, Chris Towers. But what do you think about these guys who haven't been great for fantasy, but, you know, could be great going forward? Ugh. (laughs) Gross. Um, 
I don't know. I, I guess it was nice to see Sam Darnold finally have a decent game, but I'm not going to stake my uh, – un, unless I've just been forced into streaming all season and that happens uh, occasionally. There are a few leagues where, like, you know, I, I drafted Phillip Rivers and he hasn't been quite what we expected or, or something like that where you kind of do have to. But I'm not going away from someone who I have any amount of faith in to start Sam Darnold in the fantasy playoffs at this point. Like, his schedule's been good for the last couple of weeks, or at least two out of the last three games, and he hasn't really done it. So, I just... We'll see what Nick Foles can do. I guess that would be the one wild card, because we haven't really seen him this season. We saw him for a quarter. Gardner Minshew did play well. They do seem to have uh, a decent collection of offensive weapons, so we'll see if Foles can get healthy and get up to speed quick enough. Because I do like that schedule. Uh, Oakland in Week 15... Atlanta in week 16, but for the most part, there's nobody that I'm looking at and saying, well, I, I feel comfortable that I can ride this guy through the fantasy playoffs. I mean, does Sam Darnold count? I mean, does Sam Darnold, does Daniel Jones count? Because Daniel Jones, he's only 73% owned. I know that's probably above the threshold. Um, obviously, he had a monster game with four passing touchdowns on, on Sunday against the Jets, but he has the Dolphins and the Redskins, and I've been I've been banging the drum and on the, the Eagles and the Eagles. Will it's Eagles, yeah. Dolphins, Redskins in the fantasy playoffs. Actually, it's a great call because I think he's going to get. I think Daniel Jones is going to get dropped in a lot of leagues going into the bye. I mean, we kind of said on yesterday's show you can drop him. Um, he's been either elite, like one of the best quarterbacks of the week, three times, or he's been fourteen or fewer fantasy points in five games, which is just garbage. You can't start that. So uh, yeah, I'll throw him in the mix. Go ahead. Uh, it also seems like um, one guy that we have to be concerned about too, Matthew Stafford could be out for a couple of weeks back injury. You know, this is a team that's not going to be involved in the playoff hunt. The one problem is he's got Tampa Bay in week 15. So you, you're dropping him at your own risk that someone who doesn't have a quarterback might pick him up and play him against you in the fantasy playoffs. Um, like I said, I love, I love Daniel Jones. I think, are we are we sort of underrating Derek Carr? I mean, is is he a viable option? Maybe the Chargers and the in the Jaguars. Like you know, he showed he can throw over the Chargers. That we getting Derwin James back, so that's you know that's not a perfect setup. The one the one guy that would be free too if you have a good setup already. And you mentioned his name, but he's not the starter. Gardner Minshew. What if Nick Foles comes back and gets hurt or gets benched because he stinks? Minshew would then draw the the Raiders and the Falcons in in the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'll definitely invest in Nick Foles if I miss out on him and I need a backup quarterback, though. Minshew is, is going to be for free. I mean, he's not going to be owned. And if Foles gets hurt, and he's been hurt plenty of times in his career, or if he's benched because he stinks, um, which is not out of the question, then I think Minshew could be a factor, too. And, and I'll throw Jacoby Brissett out there. He's down to 71% owned. If he doesn't play uh, this week, it wouldn't be a surprise to see that drop Again, and he's got Tampa Bay in week 14. It is on the problem is two of them are on the road, but he's at Tampa Bay at New Orleans. New Orleans is 21st in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, and then Carolina in week 16. That's just a that's a middle of the road kind of matchup. Yeah. But Jacoby Brissett at Tampa Bay at New Orleans weeks 14 and 15 could be pretty good. Oh, uh, the other guy too that I threw out. I, I mean, I assume he's he's only 59% owned right now. Maybe getting dropped some more, but Baker Mayfield. Did we mention him? Yeah, he's in this list. But I see that's the thing. Like the question is, do you have faith in these guys even in good matchups? And for for Darnold, <laughs> eh. for Mayfield, I really don't. Especially if like I think I'll have faith in him against the Dolphins. But Cincinnati, Arizona, those are weeks 15, 14, and fifteen. Do I have faith in in a row with the Dolphins guy with the guys going? It's true. It's true. Do I have faith in Baker Mayfield? Well, they're going to be able to run the ball against Cincinnati and Arizona. So, and he's been just awful. So I don't really have that much faith in him to pop and have a huge game. Whereas I actually do think Nick Foles could have a huge game against Tampa Bay. Could have a huge game against Oakland. Could have a huge game against Atlanta. Daniel Jones could have huge games against Philadelphia, Miami, and Washington. You know, like it's possible. I I think the Daniel Jones call is a pretty good one. I don't think you're going to use him, certainly in his bye, but then Chicago and Green Bay, I don't think you're using him then. So you probably don't have to own him. I imagine he's going to be a free agent. He's probably going to be owned in less than 50% of leagues by the time week 14 rolls around and Daniel Jones is looking at the Eagles, Dolphins, and Redskins in his next three games. Look, we're in the, the Fantasy Football Today League, and I've got um, Matt Ryan as my starter. He's got the 49ers in, in week 15. I picked up Daniel Jones because I wanted a, a backup option. I'm probably going to play Daniel Jones over Matt Ryan in week 15 when the Falcons are at San Francisco. All right. Well, you can go to that game, Will, if you'd like. All you got to do is use the SeatGeek app. Use the SeatGeek app, everybody, and the promo code FFT to take 10 bucks off your first purchase. 
All right, so what do we got going on right now? We got the NFL. We got this is a great, great time of the sports here. College basketball has started. In fact, I'm going to be in Florida in around New Year's, and there are two games that I want to go to. I want to go to Duke at Miami, and I want to go to the Orange Bowl, which somehow, some way, my alma mater might actually get into, even if they have four losses because the ACC is that bad. And what, what, are, you, what, you know, are, you, what are you talking? You about? don't think so? Listen, if Here's the scenario. If any team other than Miami wins the Coastal, which is likely, and then loses to Clemson, Clemson's going to be in the playoffs. And if there are no ranked teams in the top, if there are no top 25 uh, teams in the, uh, in the rankings, you know, the playoff rankings in the ACC, then Miami has a very good chance to go to the Orange Bowl. That's how bad the conference is because they can pick basically whoever they want. So uh, going to pick Virginia or Pittsburgh or Virginia Tech instead. No. They're not. You have, you have a terrible football team and no, no fan base. They all have a terrible football. They're, they're going to sell the game out. It's in Miami, Will. All right. So Don't sell out Miami games. What are you talking about? That promise Incredible you. Stuff, guys. Uh, I promise. Unbelievable content right here. Well, anyway, if they go, I'm going to go and I'm going to use SeatGeek to get there. Okay. The SeatGeek app is the way to go whenever you want to go to a game and use that promo code FFT. Because here's why. You don't want to have to search, oh, man, where am I going to get the best tickets? Where am I going to get the best prices? Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go to this site. Just do it all in one stop at SeatGeek because they bring in tickets from all over the web, and uh, they give you the best values, and they show you where the best values are, and you, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. I know you might be a little hesitant to buy tickets online. Don't be with SeatGeek. Every purchase fully guaranteed. So, again, use the SeatGeek app and the promo code FFT for 10 bucks off your first purchase. Promo code is FFT. For ten bucks off your first purchase, what's the value of late season fab? How much should you save for the playoffs? You shouldn't have much left. The leagues where I've got a decent amount of fab, I feel like a failure because that means that I've like that means that you've missed out on on the guys who could help you when there's more season left for them to help you. Your your best case scenario right now is that a guy might help you for six games. Now they're really important games. But there's no you're holding out you're holding your money for a situation that may never come. There may not be anybody like who who is there now? Brian Hill, you want you probably want to go if you've got a significant amount of fab left right now. You probably want to get Brian Hill rather than saving it for some prospective uh, Brian Hill who could come in three weeks. I, I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> Me you too. Have to, I mean, I mean, like it's all situational, right? Like if yeah. you're, I mean, if if you're sitting there. And you're five and four, you know, you're about to be five and six and four or five and five, and you're on the fringe of the playoff, and there's a guy who could potentially help you win this week, then you make it rain and get the guy because you have to win this week to get in the playoffs. However, if you're a team that's like seven and two and you're in first place, you're two games up. I'm literally looking at standings in a, in a league while we're talking about this. Maybe you moved to eight and two, right? Um, and you're guaranteed to make the playoffs at this point. I would rather be cautious with my fab because we've seen so many times guys pop late in the season because of injury. Like, like, I mean, just, I, I don't want this to happen, but just hypothetically, like Chris Carson goes down and Rashad Penny, who is widely available in leagues because everyone has dropped him at this point, suddenly becomes a league winner. He's only 46% of leagues. It'll probably go down after this week. Uh, Cause he had what the, you know, how many, well, he's playing tonight. Yeah, um, yeah. He didn't, didn't have any carries on Sunday. I was like, I was like, what did he do <laughs> Sunday? Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, if he, unless he, unless you know, he does something good. And so I, I think that in in that sort of instance, you need to be prepared to swoop on somebody, and you want to be able to have what you should do too is look at what everyone else in your league who might make the playoffs has in terms of fab. Like, you want to be able to to go up top on an offer if somebody pops like that. I'm not saying they will; they mm -hmm. don't always do. But in the event that someone does, remember David Johnson, his rookie year didn't really take off until about Thanksgiving. And he was a league winner his rookie year. This happens all the time with guys down the stretch. So yeah. I would be cautious about um, burning a waiver claim in a non-resetting situation or about you know using up all of my fab now if I'm already in a good spot to get to the playoffs. But that's what I'm saying is Brian Hill could be one of those guys. I don't think Brian Hill is this especially great talent, but we just saw him dominate the touches after Devontae Freeman left the game. We know that the, the, the Falcons are already missing Ito Smith Maybe Devontae Freeman. We'll see what the MRI comes out today, and, and maybe he's fine. But I would think there's a chance it could be a, a multi-week thing. Brian Hill could be that guy. I'm just saying you don't want to pass up on a potential 15 to 20 touch running back on waivers because that's usually what we're looking at. I think Darius Slayton's another guy actually who could be no. a late season star. 
Oh, uh, maybe uh, with those matchups. I don't know. But but I mean, if Shepard and Ingram are back, who knows? But um, that's a topic for tomorrow. But I would say this: first of all, most most important thing is get there, right? Like, don't don't be saving your fab to make the playoffs sure. unless you know you're going to make it. But look, last year, three two guys come to mind, maybe even three. But it was Jamal Williams was a league winner, and Elijah McGuire was actually pretty good. And those types of players are going to pop up all the time. And then in week 17, uh, who was... Oh, well, Brian Hill himself was was good in week 16. Week 17 for the Panthers. Oh, Cameron Artis Payne had a good game. So I actually like to have some fab because I want to play some defense too. I want to keep those guys away from my opponent if I can. There are going to be great DSTs to stream. Weeks, weeks like the late season games are just so wacky because like... These guys come out of nowhere due to injury. A lot of teams are just folding. They're so injured on defense. You get these great matchups. I would like to have some fab, but get there first um, and uh, you know worry about it then. And finally, from Teacher Man, is Lamar Jackson untouchable in the fantasy trade market? If not, what should the return be for trading Lamar Jackson, Will Brinson? Um, I mean, I would probably want at this point in time a legit number one running back. And there aren't very many of them. I would also need to have, I think, um, a, uh, you know, a quarterback on my roster who was, you know, I mean, like doing some serious damage because so far, you know, I mean, outside of really Russell Wilson, Lamar, I mean, Lamar and Russell are the two big difference makers in points per game, right? 30 plus points per game and six passing touchdowns, six point passing touchdown leagues. Um, Mahomes, Watson, Dak, Stafford was up there above 25 as well. Matt Ryan above 25. Um, I, you know, I would need to probably have Russell Mahomes or Watson on my team as well as Lamar Jackson to make that trade. If I, if I wanted to do it and would need to be getting back. I mean, no, like, don't get me wrong. I would probably make a move like that for a Michael Thomas or uh, Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins if I have another quarterback option. But Lamar has such a high floor based on his week-to-week rushing yardage, even if he doesn't have a bunch of passing yards and passing touchdowns, that he's going to have a huge week. I would I would do it for uh, McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook or Aaron Jones, obviously. You know, I don't know about Derrick Henry or, you know, you know, I mean, maybe Chubb as well, but you got the whole factor with uh, Kareem Hunt coming back. I think you really have to get – a monster, like you have to get a, a stud wide receiver or running back and have some safety there at, at quarterback to do it. Wow. He sounds like a top 20 overall player for you. I mean, he's the, I mean, he's averaging over 30 oh, points per game. I'm just saying the way we value quarterbacks is, is different. Now, I look, I'm with you because when we did that midseason draft, I was the one I took two quarterbacks in my top 24 and I got kind of mocked for it. But I think Lamar Jackson is a, is a league winner. You need guys that are going to score. You know, once you're done with the buys, the depth becomes a little bit less important, and you just want to have stars at every position, or as many as you can, and he's a star. So I think that the difference is, like, in a six-point-per-passing touchdown league, he's not even the number one quarterback right now. It's Russell Wilson going into uh, going into Monday night. Wilson hasn't had his buy, but Wilson's still been just a little bit better on a per-game basis. Whereas last year, Mahomes was so much better than everyone else. Jackson isn't quite there. Like, Jackson... Wilson and even Watson are sort of lumped together. And I think based on what we saw from Mahomes yesterday, I, I think even though he hasn't done it so far, I'm pretty optimistic that he will be in that group. So I don't know. Like last year, there was one guy, and he was so much better than everyone. This year, there might be three or four. And that's also a cautionary tale for Jackson. Yes, he has been this good. But the, the argument against taking Patrick Mahomes in the first round, if we had thought Patrick Mahomes was going to re- uh, continue doing what he did last year, well, yeah, he would have been worth taking in the first or second round. The question is whether Lamar Jackson can continue to be, and we'll throw Russell Wilson in there, can continue to be that guy who gets you two, three, five more points every week than the average starting quarterback or even the average very good starting quarterback. Patrick Mahomes was that guy last year. He hasn't been so far. Can Lamar Jackson be that guy for the final seven games of the season the way he has been for the last nine? That That's the question. I, I would expect... At least a little bit of regression. Uh, well, Chris, well, you're giving up Lamar Jackson. What are you looking for in return? Would you take Devontae Adams, Nick Chubb? It it would depend. I, I, I want to say yes, it would depend on who I have. I'm not going to give up Lamar Jackson and then have to stream the quarterback position because right. I do feel very comfortable that like he's going to give me 7 to 14 points with his legs every single week, and that's just that's such an advantage. Like That's... We, we, we're going to have to talk about the fact that the co- running quarterbacks 
give you this advantage that is so valuable. But you could have Jameis Winston. You could have Kyler Murray on your team. If I had one of those guys in addition to Lamar Jackson, just the way either waivers or and I don't know. I mean, I I'm, I would that's the ex- exact example I was looking at, Chris, in terms of Kyler. The problem is like, I mean, he had seven points against the Giants. Sure. No, it, it. I wouldn't feel great about it. <laughs> and but six if I against the Saints. Devontae Adams, and I'm starting Devontae Adams as one of my three wide receivers now. Like that. That's where it starts to get tricky. If I'm, you know, if I'm going from DJ Shark to Devontae Adams, yep, I probably do that. Yep. But it depends on who I'm replacing. Yeah, if you're going from DJ Chark to Devontae Adams, so if you're going from DJ Chark and Lamar Jackson to Kyler Murray and Devontae Adams, I'll take that gamble because I yeah, think right. Devontae has the upside down the stretch. But, like, I'm not going to flip Lamar Jackson for Cortland Sutton, you know? Yeah, yeah and, you know, uh, I think I think you can probably, like, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you, pr- you can find guys on waivers at quarterback that could have sure. a huge game more easily than I'd say than wide receiver. Although Robbie Anderson comes to mind as another guy last year who was basically a league winner until he faced the Patriots in either week 16 or 17. But, um, you know, like there's just, there, there's not a lot of competition on waivers, right? Cause there are a lot of the teams are eliminated and you can get guys that just slip through the cracks. Like, Oh, Philip rivers is available, whatever. So it's easier to stream quarterbacks in the playoffs than wide receiver if you want a great player. And I would do that. Yeah, I think it's a good call. So that's a great comparison. Kyler Murray and Devontae Adams or, or uh, Lamar Jackson and who was it? And uh, DJ Chark. Yeah, we're going to be on the uh, Murray-Adams side there. But it's obvious the way we're talking that Lamar Jackson's a top 20 to 24 overall player for us going forward. And, and worth, worth noting, too, and I think it is worth noting because a lot of leagues are four-point passing touchdown leagues. He's you know by far the best quarterback in four-point passing touchdown leagues because he's more valuable with his legs. He scores those rushing touchdowns. Um, He's averaging 28.85 or 28.9, I guess, uh, points per game in four-point passing touchdown leagues. The next highest, Russell Wilson. No, next highest is Patrick Mahomes at 27.6. Then Russell Wilson at 26, 27.1. Right, but it's not as big of a gap, even in four-point, not as big of a gap as it was between Mahomes and everyone else last year. So... Just something to keep in mind, but uh, if you have Watson and Jackson or Mahomes and Jackson or Wilson and Jackson, then you are in a great spot, and uh, and you should probably be looking to trade them. But get something great. Get something great. One huge thing, too, for the Ravens, just really quickly, uh, the Steelers being good again and making a playoff run is enormous for Ravens people who didn't want to see Lamar Jackson not doing anything at the end of the year. Like, he is going, you know, I mean, he's not, they're not going to have some huge lead and be sitting on this, you know, on this two or three game divisional lead. It doesn't look like. Uh, Pittsburgh has a very easy schedule, whereas the the Ravens now have Houston, uh, the Rams, San Francisco, Buffalo, and then the Jets, Cleveland, and then Pittsburgh the last week of the season. So I think the Ravens will be full bore, foot to the foot, uh, pedal to the metal in terms of their offense for the rest of the year. All right, everybody, thank you to Will and to Chris. Thank you all for listening. We are done for today. We've got the waiver wire tomorrow. Have a good one. This is Fantasy Football Today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.